Hey guys, this is your host Umi, and you have tuned into Life Happens for Real podcast, where our primary focus is to search for stories from around the world to help people who are grappling with a similar situation. And today on the episode, we are talking about domestic abuse, physical as well as mental, and this hidden epidemic is turning family homes into crime scenes. Such topics are so hard to talk about, right? And even such topics are hard to hear about. But here's what we are doing. We are talking about it. We are not shying away from it. So also, uh, when when I use the word abuse, people directly relate it to the physical abuse. But here's what I'm going to tell you today. You know, abuse isn't always physical. There is mental abuse, emotional abuse, and sexual abuse as well. You know, I hope that maybe this uh, episode is going to help you recognize whether you are in such a relationship or not. So on this episode, I'm talking to this really beautiful lady, Janelle, whom, uh, who is a 33-year-old Cree Aboriginal, a future youth worker, and an aspiring writer. Also, she is the mother. She's the she's the mother of four beautiful boys, and currently she's working on her first children's story, which is called "The Wind, Wind Is Angry." And the good news is that she has three more on her way, and she's excited. Also, uh, so before I bring her in. I want to appreciate her presence today because, you know, I know it's not very easy to talk about abuse and that that too when it is physical. So I really appreciate that you, uh, you know, she has mustered the courage to come forward and talk about it. So hello, Janelle. How are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you? I'm good. So I appreciate that you have come forward to talk about it. Because I know it's not very easy to talk about abuse. Yeah, no. Um, I've actually been wanting to do something like this for mm-hmm. a while, like after I left, because I know what it's like being stuck and feeling like you have nowhere to go and mm-hmm. you have nobody to turn to. You feel like you're in this forest. You have nowhere to go. You don't know where you're going, right? Yeah. And um, yeah, no, it's, it, it, it was really tough. For sure. But um, yeah, no, I, I was actually able to just muster up what little strength I had left to get away. And here I am. I think this episode is going to be a special one. Like I welcome your presence here. I mean, I'm, I appreciate that you came forward and you're so open about it. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I want to try and help other women who are in the same yeah. situation and let them know, you know, there, there is always a way out. Um, you don't have to feel trapped because that's them feeling powerful and making you feel small and you don't have to feel that anymore. So, I'm so glad that you think this way. So, yeah, it's, it's, it, it took me a lot of courage. Yeah, I, I understand. That is what it takes. It ca- takes courage to come forward and speak yeah. about it. So yeah, can we start? Are you ready? Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. So the first question which I would like to put is, 
you know let's just start from the beginning where did you guys meet and also i agree that you know abuse can occur in any relationship like be it an arranged marriage or a love marriage just but just for the listeners to know what kind of a marriage was it and arranged to love so this is what you, i want you to expand on okay so um it was it just it just happened by chance um i i was new to bc Calgary, uh bc canada Mm-hmm. Uh, originally from Calgary. Okay. Um, my cousin was the one who introduced me to this this gentleman, and okay. I first found him very charming. And he put on all the good charm. He was very kind and thoughtful, and that's what really intrigued me, like, to go be with him. And I was just like, you know, you you just lost your dad, and you're going through hell right now, and I'm really sorry, and we just kind of hit it off from there and then um yeah no shortly after that I think it was a few months after they ended up selling their house after their dad died that the abuse started it was just more verbal so name calling um jamming me because mm-hmm. like okay I let's just a- let's just pause ahead for a while because this is uh, like the, the question was that was it an arranged love so it was kind of uh, separate oh yeah no 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 yeah no no not arranged no okay so uh, if I would like to know about the initial years of your marriage, like, you know, when you kind of entered into marriage with him. So how would you, how were you, how were the initial years? I mean, I'm sure it would have been flattering, you know, because this is how every abuser reacts initially. Yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't like, um, like a actual physical marriage thing. It was like a marriage type relationship. So mm-hmm. like we, we stayed together, but um I, I couldn't actually physically marry him because if I did, I would lose my status. Okay. As my Indian status. So had it like a marriage like relationship. So, so yeah, uh, can I say uh, that this was a living relationship? Live in? Yes. Okay. So yeah. yeah. Therefore you uh, entered into marriage with him, you know, just for understanding him or something like that. Yeah. Like, like we didn't do like a ceremonial, like stand at the uh-huh, altar thing. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. um no it's just like we we lived together and stuck we just lived together and we were just together so there wasn't like a ceremony or anything it's just like well we've been together for six months so we're pretty much considered a couple uh-huh. type thing and um yeah it just kind of went from there so they they consider it out here in Canada it's like if you're in a relationship or you're together for more than six months then you're common law so um yeah that's kind of how it went Okay, so let's move a little forward. Like after how much time of your marriage, you know, the you started seeing red flags. When was that exactly? Like you started seeing red flags, and you uh, you thought that you know this is what she's he's actually doing. This is he's abusing me. So I started noticing um, a little after the birth of my first son. Okay. Um, like throughout my pregnancy with him, it was it was stressful. Um, it got to the point that I ended up going into maybe 10 preterm labors and, um, or like labors that were not supposed to happen. So till and, the um, first, till your first pregnancy, how was his behavior with you? Did he react normally? Um, he, he didn't, well, he, he seemed normal at first mm-hmm. and then 
like certain things that I wouldn't be able to do because like heavy lifting stuff like that he would get a, a bit pissed off about and then um when I ended up on bed rest he took off and he was always at the bar and I had nobody to help me like I wasn't allowed to get out of bed for the risk of having labor start again so I didn't have him there helping me out he was over at the bar getting drunk and I was stuck in a bed by myself so <laughs> it didn't really work very well but um yeah, no, I, I went full term. He came out very healthy. He was eight, 15 and a half pounds. So to put that size, I'm five foot one. Okay. So I'm very small, but yeah, I had a very big, healthy baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, shortly after that, um, when I start caring for him and everything, his mother would also say that I'm not to take care of my son first. I take care of my husband first before my child. And I just saw that as a big red flag. I was like, no, 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 no. No, I take care of my baby first. He's defenseless. John can do his own thing. He's a big boy. He's got two hands. He can do it himself. Okay. And yeah, the abuse kind of just took off from there as well and grew increasingly worse where it was like he would stop, he would stop me from leaving the house. He would always want to know where I was going. Um, he had this weird sense that I was going to take off with the baby one day, but yeah, I ended up doing that because the abuse got so much that um, I, I started feeling like, like shit, like saying that I, I wasn't worth it. And I was like, you know, I have a baby I need to take care of and I need to take care of me. So he packed uh, up I want to pause. So what I want to know, like about the first abuse you went through, like initially, was it only verbal? It was just verbal. Yeah. Okay. okay. So yeah. what did he exactly do when we talk about verbal abuse? So there's um, name calling. Okay. So you're retard, you're idiot, you're stupid. Um, you're never going to amount to anything. No one's going to love you the way I do. Um, like telling other people that I'm stupid and bringing me down out in public, calling me an idiot at the grocery store because I was being too slow at picking potatoes stuff like that just humiliating me and making me feel like I was worth nothing okay so that was just his way of beating down my self-esteem and that was just the first start so you said name calling calling you stupid humiliating you so just tell me like how did you react to this like was it reactive abuse like you know did you react back or did you stay silent this is very important at first I stayed silent okay but then it like the more he did it, I uh-huh. started feeling angry and I started fighting back. And that's kind of normal. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, I'm not stupid. This isn't my fault. I'm trying. And the more I started standing up for myself, the more he felt like he wasn't he wasn't in that power and like he didn't have that power anymore. So it ended up turning into physical. And uh, the thing is that, you know, when you reacted back, how, what was his reaction? Oh, he got angry. Okay. Yeah, he, he, he got angry because the way he thought he was getting at me, uh-huh. it wasn't working anymore. So he needed something a little stronger to do. So he ended up um, getting drunk and calling me a drunk native. Okay. I never was introduced to alcohol until I met him. I never touched drugs. I never touched alcohol. I always listened to my mom. Don't ever drink. Don't ever touch uh, drugs. They're not going to help you. 
and I stood by that until I met John. And then he gave me that first drink and I was just like excited about it. So um, there were times where I would, yeah, drink just to kill the pain of like being called names and treated like crap. Mm -hmm. But deep down, I knew he did love me, just had a really weird way of showing it. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just, I kind of just took it with a grain of salt. And then uh, my second one was born. Okay, for how much time, uh, you know, in your marriage, did the cycle of verbal abuse continue? Um, it's, the, see, the, the thing is, like, the, the cycle of abuse, it, mm-hmm. it plays in a really weird way. Like, it can take up to the, a whole year for this cycle to be complete for him. Yeah. So, um, for example, like, the tension building part starts first so like name calling treating me like crap blaming me for everything stuff like that Mm -hmm. um is first part um and then it's crisis stage where the victim tries to make things better she she tries to go and say you know i'm I'm gonna try my best and this and that or else she'll try and stand up for herself but he'll start physically hurting you or loved ones and threatening your family that you'll never see them again and stuff like this. And in turn, the victim flees the abuser and retreats to a shelter or with family. So it was an absolute torture, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, when it comes to verbal abuse, it's even more dangerous to your mental health. It is. Yeah. It really, really, it, it picks at your brain. And the more you hear it, the more you start to believe it. So I started believing, yeah, I'm a retard. I'm never going to be worth anything. I'm not going to amount to anything to anybody. And I got that in my head. And it took years for me to try and, like, reverse that for me, saying, you know, I am better than this. I'm not stupid. I'm not a retard. And it takes years and years of therapy and counseling to, like, bring up your self-esteem because that doesn't happen overnight. Yeah, I understand that that doesn't have happened overnight. So obviously it would have the dramatic effect on your mental health, isn't it? So how did you it deal does, with yeah. that? Like, how did you kind of, you know, try to kind of bring yourself back that, you know what, I'm not a retard, I'm not stupid. So like, with, when it comes to mental health, like you, you have the anxiety, you have, you, you feel very insecure. Um, there's like the, the fear of like what if another guy you end up wanting to meet does the same thing yeah exactly it, it really it, it circulates in your brain over and over and over what if what if what if mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right so you you don't have really have that positivity in your mind yet because you're still trying to heal yourself from the damage that's been caused yeah and um yeah, no, but there's 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 ways of coping with it to help you get a low alert or like get we'll like move along that, with the like, process. Yeah, we'll surely come to the coping mechanism for sure, like uh, at the end of the you know session. So, mm-hmm. tell me, when did the verbal abuse turn into physical abuse? So the physical started um, a bit after my second was born. Okay. Um. The abuse continued, the verbal abuse continued with uh, my second one. I ended up having to go on a 
C-section watch um, because my stress was causing my baby's heart rate to drop. So oh if they, they ended up keeping me in the hospital, I was on IV fluids. I was not allowed to eat. Um, it was a Canada wide, you know, alert. So they kept me on a high alert monitor. And when baby's heart rate finally like regulated, then they were able to like keep an eye on me. I didn't have to go on bed rest or anything. But he ended up being healthy. But at the end of it, I, I hemorrhaged. So I ended up having um, some complications with that. But I recovered. And then I went straight back into the abuse. And it ended up that he was drinking more. And he, I would go out for my nightly watch. And one night, I came back. And he, um, he, he blocked me in the hallway. And I asked him if he could move so I could go to the washroom. And instead, he took my head. Sorry, this is going to be a bit um, graphic, just for a warning. Um, he took my head, smacked it against the wall. My head just missed the thermostat on the hall, hallway wall. I fell to the ground, uh-huh. and my head hit pretty hard as well. I was pretty much unconscious, but like, kind of still alert but I couldn't do anything but the only thing that woke me up was the the rug burn I was getting on my shoulder from him dragging me down the hallway and I ended up wake like opening my eyes facing the baby gate and the stairs I knew there were two people downstairs so I started screaming but they didn't want to come up because they were just as scared of him they didn't know what to do they didn't want to call 911 they didn't want to do anything but I, in a way, I couldn't blame them. They're scared, right? They know what the, what's going to happen. As so I, I ended up. You, as I listen to you, this is giving me chills every minute. Trust me. Yeah, it's it's it, it's, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's um, like oh my god, how did you kind of deal with all this stuff? Oh, it was just more like writing things down on paper. And Uh, your journal uh, is your best friend, uh honestly. Like, that's how I coped, was just writing and writing and writing. And it got me through a lot of it. What I want to know is, like, tell me more about how he physically abused you. Uh, So it was, like, smacks across the head. Okay. Um, He threw stuff at me. He threw food at me. He threw spatulas at me. Oh, my God. He, He would punch me in the arm and say that, um... To the police that it was just us having rough sex stuff like that mm-hmm. um there was uh just repeated amounts of like the same thing like he didn't want to leave marks on me um but this one he did was he pushed me on top of my son my eldest one david okay and i fell back on the couch on top of him And I immediately stood up and I was just so concerned. I thought I heard him because of the force of him pushing me down. And he was okay. He was all right. Um, But I ended up um, basically going back to the cops. But the more I called the cops, the less they believed. There was like the little boy who cried wolf. Nobody wanted to believe it anymore, right? Mm -hmm. How old were your children, you know, uh, when he used to do all this? Uh, 
David, well, it was back in 2016. So Mm -hmm. David was about five or six. Okay. And Noah was, he was a baby. He was about one or two. And sadly, David, David would, you know, see all those violence. Yeah. Yeah, no, they, they're, they're in counseling now, but um, unfortunately, your, still sad. Your but... children are in counseling? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah it, it's, my heart it, it, it takes a lot when, when kids are involved, like, yeah. when stuff like this was about to happen, or if I had a sense that this was going to happen and the kids were around, I would tell them to take, David, take your brother, go to your room, shut the door, close mm-hmm. the in. Mm-hmm. Cover your ears so you don't hear it. Yeah, because the, my next question was only going to be this, that how do you handle your kids and how do you kind of make them understand that, you know what, this is not happening? Yeah, it, it was it was hard because they didn't understand what daddy was doing. Mm-hmm. Mom, why is daddy always mad at you? Mom, why, is, is daddy going to kick you out? Mom, why, why is daddy always yelling and screaming and angry? And I, I, was, I didn't really understand like well he told me one year why was that he was diagnosed with ptsd from an accident he had back in the 70s or 80s he got pushed in a pool in the shallow end broke his neck and um the uh the doctors i guess they ended up putting him in a chair strapping him to the chair no anesthetic drilled four bolts in his head to put a halo on because his neck was broken in two places Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, try walking away from that and saying you're okay. I was like, there's, there's absolutely no way. Like, I was like, you need to be looking for, for help. There's mm-hmm. support out there. I'm happy to help you with this, but this needs to stop. And he didn't want to, he didn't want to accept the help. So yeah, I, mean, I, I did put myself out there to help him. It's what I do, but he didn't want to take it because he was too proud. How for how long did you stay in this abusive marriage? Eleven years. Eleven years. Off and, and on, in- yeah. It was me leaving numerous times with the boys, but I was always lured back with promises of, "Oh, I'll make it better," or "If you leave me again, I'm going to jump off the Alex Fraser Bridge," or "You're killing mom. She's getting so stressed out. She can't handle it anymore. You need to stop all this." And eleven years is a long time, Janelle. It is. Oh my is. God. and the damage I... is all still there yeah the damage is already done yeah it really gives me chills as i listen to you like this is a very sensitive episode i have to tell you this okay yeah the thing is that you know when did you finally feel that you know what now it's not i'm not going to take it anymore and you know i you only you only had this option left that you know i am going to leave so the way this all ended was I ended up getting really depressed to mm-hmm. the point that I became suicidal. Okay. Um, I started drinking to the point of total intoxication where I was hugging a toilet growing up and he would sit there and he'd watch and laugh. Oh and my God. I was just, yeah, he would, he would take pictures, stuff like that, and just laugh at me and send it to all his friends. And instead of helping, he would just walk away. Like, I swear to God, I thought I was going to die a few times and actually be able to do it. And then one day I was like, um, I, I think you're familiar with um, AC Fisher? Yeah, I am. I did the yeah. first episode with him, yeah. 
yeah. So he was a roommate downstairs. Um, and did he just, night, did he just, just say? Did he just say that he had a girlfriend? Yes, they're they're uh, due to get married. Yeah. Okay. Once you yeah. were married, you know, once you married to him, he already had a girlfriend. I'm sorry. Like, did you? I mean, when you were married to him, you already had a girlfriend. Uh, are we talking about my marriage? Yeah, yeah, your marriage. Oh yeah, no, no. Me, me, and um, like me and John were separated, but okay. me and Tony were still friends. Uh huh. So um, but yeah, no, I I decided one night that I was just gonna go jump off the roof, uh-huh. land on the rocks out front, and I went to the back. I was just like overwhelmed with emotion, and I just told Tony, I'm I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I'm jumping off the roof. Tell my kids I love them because I can't tell them myself at this point. Mm-hmm. And I started heading back to the front of the house, and Tony just ran up and grabbed me, and I just I collapsed on the floor, just hysterically crying. And it was that that was him basically saving my life at that point um, because he felt that this is the end. I'm I'm not gonna stick here around and take any more of this there's better things out there and we need to start now so, so when you uh, left did you take your boys with you uh no that was the one thing i that was the hardest part was yeah. me leaving my boys because i didn't know if john had an actual secret custody agreement made that the boys reside at the house mm-hmm. um so I, I went and did my research. I asked around, you know, is there a thing, a way that I can actually get my boys out of this situation so I can help them as well? And I was told that you can't help your kids until you help fix yourself. Yeah. You're the one who's That's broken crazy. right now. You need to fix you. Let's worry about the boys after. And then you met AC for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, that was the that was the hardest day was August eighth, saying goodbye to my boys, getting uh-huh. in the car and driving away. That was that was a really hard time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, leaving your boys. So the most important part we want to talk about is how did you heal yourself? Because I know that, you know, the extent of abuse was so horrible that, you know, it takes time to heal yourself. But at least you would have taken some steps to kind of heal yourself. So what are you doing to heal yourself? Um, so what I've, I've started doing is um, what really works is meditation. Okay. So it helps with breathing and helping me relax. Um, helping me get sleep so I've downloaded an app it's called let's meditate Mm -hmm. so you can find this on the play store yeah Um, I highly recommend it because it it, it's very nice it's it's been helping me a lot yeah Um, for a comfort security thing I wear um, a toque as a security because of the fear of an insecurity like that never leaves from people like from him smacking me upside the head and stuff. So I wear that as like my security type thing and it helps. Um, I write in a journal. Okay. So if I'm having a bad day, I'll just write whatever. It could be like a poem or something or 
I'll just just jot some little note down or whatever and I'll look back at it later. Um, just reminders that you're allowed to have your off days. The, bu- the abuse was never your fault and uh-huh. you're going to get through this. Um, sticky notes. I okay. put sometimes sticky notes on the mirror. So it could be like, it'll say, I love you. You're beautiful. Stuff like that. That's I'd stick it on the mirror and I'd say it out loud and look at myself in the mirror at the same time. So that it helps me feel more confident about myself and like my personality and stuff like that. So, I mean, that's, that's what I've been doing so far and, and I'm finding that it helps. Um, music. Okay. So listening to your favorite artist. So if it's the Ever Levine or if it's um, Coldplay, just something that's soothing. Like I, I do Enya and Sarah Brightman because they're nice and calm and soothing and relaxing. Um, going for walks uh-huh. and doing stuff that makes you feel good about yourself again. So like if you found that you've stopped doing a hobby like beadwork or painting or something. You can try and pick that up again and start doing, getting back into stuff that used to make you happy that you ended up stopping because of what was going on. That's really beautiful. At least you're doing something to kind of heal yourself and it's very important. It is. Yeah. The last question I wouldn't want to put is like, what are the concrete learnings from whole the, you know, whole of the, this abusive marriage thing? Um, so, oh, I don't trying to figure out how to answer this one <laughs> is it way to reword it <laughs> um so like yeah i don't know like any any concrete learnings you can put up um i think it's more like you just take it a day at a time uh-huh um like follow your your loved ones if you need help don't hesitate to Uh like reach out and talk to somebody because if you don't you're never going to get anywhere yeah exactly like the that's what else Tony taught me too was I can be here as your support but you have to take the first step and that's the hardest part is taking the first step. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's it's gathering all that courage, just thinking ahead of time, like, what's my future going to be like when all this is done and gone? And just going from there. So, yeah, that's that? Yeah, that's kind of all I got. I'm, I'm still, like, trying to play with stuff right now. So, yeah. but yeah, no, it's. Yeah. So, it's, been a, it's been a journey and a challenge and I'm still going forward so <laughs> yeah I can understand I mean it takes time so yeah thank yeah. you so much I just loved talking to you Janelle thank you so much thank for your you time honor. thank you so thank much you so much for being on my show it was really an honor having you Thank you. So yeah, at the end, I would like to say that, you know, what I concluded from the whole episode is that, you know, if the, if your husband, if you're the, you know, the, maybe your fiance, your husband, whoever it is, you know, if he's telling you that, you know what, your ideas are so stupid and you are, you know, he humiliates you, I would say that, you know, stop it there and then. 
until it turns into physical abuse. Because once it turns into physical abuse, it's not easy to get out of the marriage. It's not easy to get out. It really takes courage to walk away. At the end, as I always say that I am looking to connect. If you guys have a story which will help inspire and heal others, please connect to me with at my email, umiraman2321 at the rate of gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in.